Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, accidents happen. You ever noticed accidents happen, right? Um, But being a faithful and an effective witness will never happen by accident. There are choices that we have to make. When I was a a junior in high school, I was the president of the United Methodist Youth Group in our church. Whatever that means, there was no salary attached uh, and no no, uh, politics involved, but I was there. But by the end of my junior year, I quit going to church. My parents weren't going at the time, and so I quit going, and uh, life was happening for a young man. And in my senior year of high school, I met someone who invited me to come to church. A person made a decision to invite me to come to church. And, and I came to church and, and began coming, and, and it was different. I talked about that. This church really believed what they were talking about. You know, they really believed the gospel, and they really preached the word. And so I was, I was intrigued. I kept coming. And, uh, you know, then the family sometimes would have me over. I'm a young adult that had me over the house, and we would, uh, you know, share a meal, and they, but they would talk to me about the Lord. And I'm kind of like, well, I grew up in a religious home, sort of. You know, I kind of knew this stuff, and I was fine, you know. And, but people made a point. They made decisions to engage with me. And so by the time I came into my sophomore year of college, freshman, sophomore, yeah, sophomore year of college, uh, all of a sudden one day, I'm here, and I'm hearing the preacher, and all of a sudden one day it hit me wait a minute, I have never really personally made this decision for me. I knew a lot of stuff, but I'd never received it for me. And so that, that day, that, that I, when it always finally became clear, I received Christ as my Savior. But I want you to know that that did not happen by accident. And, and I don't just mean the fact that God was working in the background, right? I don't mean that. I mean there were people along the way who made conscious choices to be a witness to me. They made conscious choices in life that they were part of a church that preached the word that I heard week in and week out. Choices. And I'm going to heaven because of it. And every life that I have touched and who come to Christ because of that. You see what I'm saying? And so there are choices. Uh, Lots of things happen by accident, but being a faithful and effective witness is not one of them. There are choices that need to be made. And so we started looking last week in Matthew chapter 5 about Jesus talking about salt and light. So let's take our Bibles and turn there again. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. That's what we looked at last week. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So there needs to be a savoriness to our our personality, our character, our interactions with people 
that flavors life in such a way that is desirable to people, okay? Uh, and so I learned something this past week, and some of you already know, but I, I kept saying, you know, we need to be salty Christians. And then I found out, I was told, you know, Dad, that word doesn't mean the same thing anymore. What do you mean it does? It's salty is salty, right? And no, I guess it means like being bitter, right? Or gripey, complaining, bitter. And so that was not the kind of Christian I was telling you to be. <laughs> I mean, be the kind of a Christian that it's like when you eat something and it's, it's seasoned just right, right? The salt, and it just all melts in your mouth, right? We want to be, have that kind of effect on people for Christ, okay? So that's what Jesus is talking there. And then he continues, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so the point that we, we're really focusing in on here in this passage is that God intends for us to live noticeable lives that will point people to him. In other words, not by accident, but I make on purpose choices, as we'll see and talk about some more today, that when people observe it, it points them to him, okay? So we wanna focus in on the idea of light today. So let's, let's go back and work our way through this passage and talk about it. So, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. Let's just stop right there. You are the light of the world. And, um, yeah, go ahead and go to that next slide if you would. But Jesus said what? I am the light of the world. Well, who is? Now, if I, if I was going to ask a trick question, this would be a real good one, wouldn't it? All right, so there is a sense that Jesus says he is the light and he is the light of the world. He is the source of that light, isn't he? All of it. Uh, but when we receive Christ as Savior, like that, that, that Friday night when I did it, I said, okay, God, I get it. I'm a sinner. I, I know that you know, my sins have separated me from you. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. And I receive him as Savior. I, you know, I believe I receive Christ as Savior. Uh, that that moment, the light of the world moved into me. And as such, then, his light in me out into a dark world as well. And so it is both, isn't it? It is both. Paul describes it this way. He says that you are children of God. Now go back, if you would, Barry, a little bit there. I guess I'm missing a slide there. Sorry about that. In Philippians 2, verse 15, he says that you are children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You do, as a believer, when you go someplace, the light of God is in you, okay? And if you notice that the world is a dark place, some places are darker than others for sure, but there is a spiritual darkness in our world. And you don't have to listen to people talk very long till you start to see evidence of that, signs of it. And so here you are, you are a, a light in the middle of this darkness. That's a very powerful thing, isn't it? Powerful thing. So here's the truth. Light always overcomes darkness if it's allowed to shine. 
Because what is darkness? It is not really a thing in and of itself. It's the absence of something. Darkness is the absence of light. And so if you are in a dark place and you turn on the light, where did the darkness go? It's just the light overcomes it, okay? And, and so we know this kind of thing. So we have this flashlight here, nice bright one. I won't shine it in your eyes, right? But you can see it. So let's turn down the lights for just a minute, okay? Now this is, there's still plenty of light in here. I see, I know, but you see my hand, right? But when we do this, where, how to get brighter, right? There's, there's light there. The light dispels, if we were in a perfectly dark room and you couldn't see anything and I turned this on, it would be what? Shining very, very bright. Well, this is the way God intends for us to be in the world. You can put the lights back up. All right, light always overcomes darkness if it's allowed to shine, and that is crucial. But if the light is absent, darkness is not. When the light is absent, darkness is present. Okay, uh, if the light is hidden, darkness is present. And so Jesus is telling us here that we need to be light that is on. <laughs> we need to be light that is not hidden. Now think about what, how you've experienced this in your own life. In Colossians chapter one, Paul says that he has, talking about God, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love who is the light of the world. Okay, delivered us from the power of darkness. Has there, when you think about your life and coming to Christ, was there any darkness there before that you were controlled by? Anybody besides me? And he delivered me from that. Now, I'm in the process of continuing to work that out, okay? But I'm no longer owned by it. I'm owned by God. He delivered me from that. And so I'm thinking today that, you know, he, he delivers us from the darkness of addictions to, to drugs or to sex or to whatever it might be, alcohol. He delivers us from the darkness of depression. He delivers us from the darkness of anxiety. And I guess it doesn't mean that we may not still find ourselves struggling and learning how to let this light shine, but, but here's what happened, okay? Is that the light came on. The light came on and came in, and God is at work slowly but surely, right? Uncovering us because deep down inside where that darkness was, there's now light. Okay? He has delivered us from that power. I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? And those times when I despair, and occasionally I despair because I'm thinking, after all this time as a Christian, why do I struggle with this? <laughs> Anybody else like that? I've known the Lord for a long time, and every now and then all of a sudden I'm like, how did I get here? What, what's going on? Oh, but God has delivered me from the power of that. He, I'm no longer owned by that. So thankful, and he's at work in my life. Then Paul can, it says in Ephesians as well, he says, for, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. So what do you need to do? Walk or live as children of light. Live as lights in the world. So think about this. He has overcome the darkness in us when we receive Christ as Savior. He is, he is overcoming the results and the problems of darkness within us as he works in our lives to change us from the inside out, this growth process. And he wants to shine 
into the world through us, okay, and, and um, dispel the darkness around us. There ought to be a sense that, that wherever you and I go in the world, that darkness flees. Think about that. Just as I said, if you, walk, if, you, if you light a lantern and go for a walk, everywhere you go, the darkness goes away, doesn't it? And that's what the Lord intends for us to be. Lights in a dark place. All right, so let's see if we can get our, our heads around this a little bit. And what I want to do, we have this, this, these two things here, these two pictures, a city set on a hill and a, a, a light on a lampstand. And I want to, to just use two concepts that you're pretty familiar with. And the first is love God. And the second is love people, right? Love God with all your being. Love people as much like you love yourself, okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God, loving people. Um, and I think this corresponds to this idea of a city set on a hill and a lamp in a house. And, and here's why I say that. Um, when we think of a city set on a hill, that's something that we see from where, usually? From a distance, isn't it? That's the idea. You can see the city that is up on that hill. And there's a distance involved there. Okay? But when we're talking about in the house, that's what? Close up and personal. All right, so this idea of a city set on a hill, I think is pointing us to the idea of a public witness that we have. This is a witness that is, is some sort of distance, and I don't mean necessarily feet, but distance in the sense of the relationship or what's going on. There, but we have a public witness in our lives, but we also have a personal witness. This is to the people who we are closest to, okay? The people who are in our lives, our, our families, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, whoever we are around, those are those people. And so we need both of these kinds of witnesses, a public witness and a personal witness, because in one sense, uh, the, the public witness is there's a distance there and we got to overcome that distance, right? You have to actually move in with, into the relationships with people. And so what do we learn from these different, or different kinds of witnessing? Well, in, with the public witnessing, what we're communicating is the importance of a relationship with God. You know, I told you that when I uh, started attending that church where they really preached the Bible and preached the gospel, and I told you one of the biggest impacts on me was that, wow, they really believe this stuff, and it's really, really important to them. That had an effect on me. That, wow, these people, this is important to these people. Why is it so important to them? Right? So that's what a, 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 the public witness does. It communicates this importance of a relationship with Christ and what it does in our lives. And then the personal idea is comes down to well, how to have a relationship with Christ. And this is where people moved into my life and, and talked with me and spent time with me and included me. All right. And so I think these are the two kinds of witnesses that we see going on here. So we're talking about a public witness and a personal witness. Okay, again, this public witness, I'm living in such a way now we'll talk more about that, but living in such a way that it can be seen. Wow, this person believe something. 
And then a, a personal witness where you are sharing what you believe and living it out with people. But in this passage, I want you to take a look here with me again. Not only do we see the idea of this city on a hill and a light on a lampstand in a house, in a house, but I want you to see, let's look at it again, verse 14. You are the light of the world, a city that is, what's the next word? Set on a hill. We could replace it. A city that is put on a hill. A city that is built on a hill. It doesn't accidentally happen to be on a hill. Somebody put it there. Okay? They put it there on purpose. And he talks about in verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But what do they do? They put it on a lampstand. It is on purpose. This is what I was trying to say to you in our introduction today. It doesn't happen by accident. This idea, you know, he says, you are the light of the world, and that's, that's settled. If Jesus is in your heart, because you've received Christ as Savior, you are the light of the world. Now, you may have it hidden, you may not have it set on this a hill, but you are the light of the world. That doesn't change. But you do have to, on purpose, put the city on the hill. And you do have to, on purpose, put the light on the stand for the people in the house, okay? So let's talk about how do we do these things. All right, so let's go back and look here again. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city that is set on a hill. So we want to think of our lives as this city, you build a city, you build your life, okay? So build your city on a hill for all to see. Do it on purpose, okay? We're talking about a public witness, right? So that people can see. Well, how do we do this? How do we build a life in such a way that people can see and conclude, wow, this person really believes something that's really important. How, how can we build a life like that? Well. You need to embody the practices and the patterns of life that people can clearly recognize as Christian. Okay? You need to live openly as a Christian so that people can see and say, that's, yeah, that's, that's Christian. That's the way Christians live. Um, how do we do that? Well, these are going to be things that you, are, you do in public. Things that can be seen by people in public. Now, this is kind of, how do we do this, right? Well, think of this. One way, you could get involved with a ministry someplace, right? A Christian ministry that's known to be Christian, and you are seen to be a part of that. Wow, okay. So see, there's a city that's been set on a hill. But I tell you, God has already given us one, an excellent, excellent way. It's not the only way, but an excellent, excellent way to have this city built on a hill, and that is when we take seriously the church. When we take seriously the body of Christ that God has put us into. If God has led you to be here and to be part of this church, that his intention for you and I is that, that we love the church the way he loves the church. And, and is the church the people? Yeah, which of them? All of them, right? And some certainly we have closer connections with than others. I get that. But we are to love the church. And the church is to gather. We recently talked about that too. You remember that? The church is to assemble. 
the church is supposed to gather. And so you, if you have the church being this important part of your life, I want to get together with these people. I want to worship God with these people. I want to fellowship with these people, talk with them. I, I, you know, I, I want to be a part of what this church is doing to try to reach the world. I, I, you know, I'm going to have this church be what God intended for it to be in my life. That means that you're going to be showing up pretty much every week. And, and I, I, you know, as I, I agonize over this a little bit because I know there's, there's so much potential for this to be misunderstood and I just don't want to be. I'm going to try not to let it be. But the idea is that your neighbors will see that you know, pretty much every week throughout the year, you head off to church on Sunday. And is that going to get them saved? No. But you have a city that's set on a hill and that can be seen. And those, they see that this really matters to you. They see that, wow, something is really important about this to this person. So they can see that you have a belief. They can see that you have a faith that, that you are doing something about. Now, obviously, this has to, it can't be a fake thing. Can I just say that? It can't be fake. Can't be, oh, I'll go to church, so I'll have a public witness. And then you lie, cheat, and steal. I mean, it can't be, it has to be real, right? It has to be that you, you really do value the church, love the church the way God loves it, and so you want to be an active part of it. Um, so just let me say, I mean, you guys are here. That's praise the Lord, right? And just let me say to our church family who is out there, you know, there are reasons for some of you to stay home. There absolutely are, because I, I know some of you have situations where you have elderly people that you are involved with on a regular basis. Some of them live in your home. You know, you're making hard choices not to go out and be places. We get that. We understand that. And there are times and situations in our life where it's, we just need to stay home. I get that. But let me say to you that if you're home today or any Sunday just because it's convenient just because you can stay in your pajamas, which is pretty cool. Uh, just because you can get up in the other room and make another cup of coffee while the service is going away. I mean, that's easy, I, that's nice. But it is not the same. Now, if you can't be here, you can't be here for some reason. Right? And there are legitimate reasons. And I'm not making that judgment. That's your judgment between you and God. But if you can't be here, listen, God can work and overcome some of these things that are, you're missing. There are ways God can do that. But I'm just saying, if you're making choices not to make this important, what we do here, I mean, I don't know. I'm saying your, your neighbor's not going to see you get up and go someplace every week. And this is just one example, but I just think it's a built-in one because God is the one who designed the church and made the church. Um, do you guys feel like you understand what I'm saying or do I need to keep talking? <laughs> who knows who Zig Ziglar is? Some of you have heard of him. Yeah, great salesman, Christian man, godly Christian man. But he used to teach and say, he would talk to people and say, well, have you sold yourself yet, or do I need to tell you more? <laughs> I'm kind of feeling, are you, so you guys, you get it, right? I'm not talking about some legalistic rule, I'll go to church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it really being a real thing in your life, that being a part of your church the way God intends is a way to set your city on a hill. 
And there, there are other ways, I'm sure, as well. We already talked about getting involved in the ministry, doing something uh, out there that can be seen. Uh, and now, so that's something that you, these are things that you do to set your city on a hill. There are things that you don't do that will help you to have a city set on a hill too. You know, in your neighborhood, you are not the troublemaker, okay? Uh, they do not see you passed out drunk in the front yard, okay? They don't see the police showing up at your house to, to deal with a domestic dispute. They don't see you abusing or your children. They, they, you know, on and on the list goes, right, things. So what is going to get in the way of us not having, uh, uh, what's going to get in the way of having a city set on a hill that people can see and understand something's really important to us? And, and I think that it's a lack of commitment would be one thing, a lack of commitment to the things of Christ. And... Um, <laughs> What did I write down as the other? Oh, that's right. And then things that clearly aren't Christian. When people can observe things in your life that say, that's the Christian, that's not what Christians do, then that's going to work against you having that kind of public witness. All right. So that's the idea of building a, a city on a hill, setting a city on a hill. Uh, then we want to talk about the other, the light on the lampstand. Share the light of God with people in your life who need to see. Share it with them. And this is I wrote, care enough to share enough. Because I think that most of us as Christians, we have people in our lives who, who don't know the Lord, right? And, and we have done our best to, you know, to be a good testimony to them. We are good to them. We understand that our voice is God's voice. You know, we try to speak kindly to them. As Melanie talked about so, so importantly, that we speak kindly and lovingly. And we do that, and our hands are God's hands in the sense, right, we can do things to help people. And all that is, is good and so important and crucial. It's essential. But if we never get the gospel to them, they can't come to Christ, at least not through our testimony, through our witness, right? We have to care enough to keep working on how do I share enough. Just talking with a, a lady in our church the other day who was talking about just being in the car with someone and having a sense that God wants me to talk. And that she began, shared, and talked about the gospel. She just did it. Wasn't comfortable. Wasn't what she would have chosen to do. But it seemed, I need to, I, I care here. I need to share. So caring enough to sharing with the people who are in your life how you talk with them, what you do with them. It, it all needs to match up, but we got to figure out how do we share. And I told you guys last week that I was going to be with some people, you remember? Last Sunday afternoon that I needed to somehow to try to become purposeful in. I, I never met these people. I didn't know them. I was in a disc golf tournament and I got put with these three guys. And, and so I, you know, I said, I'm going to try. And I did. I, I brought it up about the third Whole. And just said, hey, what do you guys do when you aren't disc golfing? And, and one of them answered right away, and the other two didn't say anything. And I, so I said, what do you do? And he told me, and the third one never said a word, so I figured I'm not going to ask. <laughs> they don't want to tell me they, if they wanted to. Anyway, and then I got talking, and then it came up, well, what do you do, right? Well, I'm a pastor of a church. And so I talked about importance, and then it just got real quiet. 
it kind of just went back to what it had been. They, they, were, they were nice guys, but they were about disc golf is why they were there, and that's okay. So it didn't go as far as I wanted, but I tried, and they knew I was a Christian. And uh, so, you know, God's business there. Although I did realize what I need to do, and I'm, I, I think I'm planning to do it, is I gotta come up with, uh, for me, I'm out disc golfing off and on, but I need to come up with a track that talks about, you know, that uses disc golf as an analogy. You know, that to be perfect, to get to heaven, would be like having to throw an ace on every hole. Right, a hole in one on every hole. And nobody has. See, I mean, but so, because I, I could have I given that them, and then at least nothing else, they would have had the gospel in their hands, and what they did with it would be their responsibility. But we need to care enough to share enough. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, we have to push ourselves, probably, to do that. You see, it's, it's not by accidents, it's purposeful choices that get us there. And so then let's look here. The last thing that Jesus says here, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. <laughs> well, let's do this. Look, look over in chapter six. Verse one, Jesus, take heed that you do not your charitable deeds, your good deeds, before men to be seen by them. Wait a minute. <laughs> Didn't we just read, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Over here, don't do it to be seen by them. And he says the same thing, don't pray to be seen by others, or the don't fast to be seen by others. He says, you know, be focused on heavenly things. And so what's the deal? What's going on here? Well, I, it really clear if we look through that and, and chase us down a little more, he's talking about what's your motive? If I want people to see me, I'm a good Christian. I've missed the point, guess what, that's not light. You ain't shining anywhere. So we're not talking about that. But he is talking about live your life in such a way that when people see you, they see good things. They hear good things. They hear gospel things. Okay, so good works that glorify God are just all the kinds that we've been talking about. How you live your life publicly. How you live your life before the world. How you live your life in your interactions with other people. And do you, I love these people, I care about them. Do you care enough to share enough, right? Okay, yeah, I'm doing that too. Doing it on purpose. And when that happens, then the world can see. When that happens, the people in your life can hear and know. And, and they may not respond to the gospel. God isn't gonna make them. But they can't respond to a gospel they don't know. They can't respond to a gospel that hasn't been shared with them. All right? So God has given us these two things, living a life that can be seen, to be clearly Christian, and like, wow, this must really be important, and then a life that's lived with people in a way that, that loves and cares and then shares what needs to be shared. Because God intends for us to live noticeable lives that will point people to him. So how are you living your life? Where are you building your city? 
Maybe you need to do some rebuilding, relocating. How are you doing with the people in your life? You're living out this, this love of God with them enough that you're actually trying to find ways to share the gospel. And by the way, sometimes, if, if, see, here's the thing. See, if you have a relationship with uh, the church the way God intends for you to, and, and you try, how do I share the gospel with this person? Well, sometimes an invitation to church is a great place to start because they're going to come and hear what? The gospel. And maybe you'll have something to talk about. Whatever, just the idea is we got to do something on purpose. We got to do something on purpose as individuals. We got to do something on purpose together and on outward into the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for how you keep challenging me to think, how can I live a life that I don't just, I'm not in hiding, I'm not doing my own thing away from everybody, but I live an outwardly Christian life that can be seen. And that you challenge me too, Father, about relationships and moving into relationships and moving toward people and sharing sharing the gospel, sharing your life, sharing the gospel. And I pray, Father, you'd be challenging all of us. Help us to see just simple, clear steps we can take that will make a difference here, Lord. And I pray that we will see people saved as a result of it. We trust you to work. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.